Welcome to Catfish Cops. Welcome, everybody. My name is Tony Godwin. My name is Brandon Poor. And we are both uh, law enforcement active duty detectives for two major um, police departments in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Welcome to the first episode, first ever episode of Catfish Cops, a new podcast that covers some of the behind-the-scenes uh, fun that we get into doing our jobs. So we want to give a little context as to why we have some credibility to discuss um, a topic like this. Um, we have been collaborating about this for many months and uh, slowly been working on this. But uh, the name itself, Catfish Cops, Catfishing, is by virtue what we do day in and day out. So uh, we want to give a little bit of an introduction about ourselves and who we are first, and then we're going to kind of jump in and explain to you what catfishing is so that you have some context to understand why we feel uh, we have the ability to present this material to you. And why is it interesting? Why do you want to, why should they listen to us, Tony? Why, why is this podcast something someone would want to listen to or add to their list of podcasts they already listen to? Aren't there enough of them? That's a very good question, Brandon Poor. And I would say as a fan of podcast listening myself, I'm a ginormous fan um, I listen to a lot of true crime. I, uh, we, both of us, you know, have been listening for a very good amount of time. And so the concept of this and what puts us maybe in the same level as some of the more popular podcasts, uh, true crime podcasts, is that we're going to give a behind the scenes glimpse, a behind the scenes view of the investigations themselves as they were investigated by... You and I. Us. We're going to talk to people in our circles that do the exact same work as we do. Uh, I promise you're going to think some of the stuff that you hear is made up because it can't possibly <laughs> be true. Uh, and I think what you're going to learn is that what you read on websites, news stories, things about the people that are arrested in these kind of investigations, things that uh, you get to see from the court aspect... Uh, don't nearly give you all of the, the nitty-gritty details, the fun behind um, what really goes down. Uh, and I don't say fun in sort of a trivial way because, of course, these are serious things and we're catching really bad people. But there's a lot of fun little details that go on in, like, the behind the scenes. How do we catch people who are preying on our kids? And uh, one of the things I wanted to mention just prior, uh, you know, to us, kicking this off and before we launch a, an episode about a particular case is that, uh, you know, our little disclaimer is that we just want to make sure that everybody understands that's listening, um, that the topics we're going to discuss during our podcast, they're really potentially not going to be very suitable for all ages. If you're listening to a podcast when you're taking the kids to school, maybe you have an earbud in where you're listening, but it's not necessarily something you want the kids to, um, listen in on unless they're of an age where they are online. And then I would probably encourage you to, you know, let them listen uh, because some of the topics obviously are going to involve real kids. And so um, we plan as we go along to offer a lot of um, advice, technical things that we see, safety tips. Hopefully we'll talk to, other people in this industry, people who are not maybe doing the investigations, but 
maybe some of the platforms that kids are on, some of the people who are involved in the protection of children, um, investigatively, um, doing the national protection, some of the some of the big names and players in this field, uh, which I'm sure you will learn very quickly is much larger than you probably anticipate or believe right now even is right. the case. Absolutely. We do have on tap um, some upcoming interviews with some very, very cool people who have been in the industry for a very long time and uh, as well as other investigators. And uh, we're hopeful that this is going to be a big uh, launch for us. We hope that it'll be entertaining and uh, mostly we want to make sure you understand um, why we feel we're qualified. So why are we, we qualified? Why? why? Why would, who who are we, Tony? Well, um, I will tell you that I am a 30 uh, year um, veteran. I was served in the U S military for five years. I worked as a military police officer and then as a criminal investigator for the military police. And then I transitioned into civilian life where I'm still currently employed. I've been with the agency I'm with for 26 years. And on that note, I spent, oh, probably the better part of 11 years working the late night shift in patrol, uh, answering all kinds of calls, having all kinds of fun, car chases and burglars and everything that you would expect before I transitioned into criminal investigations. And so I began my criminal investigations career uh, working what we call youth crimes, kid crimes, and so that ranged in uh, anywhere from the low end of uh, a child that runs away or is missing all the way up through the most horrible things you can imagine happening with kids. And so from that, I gained an awful lot of experience and appreciation to help kids. I am married. I do have four kids of my own. And so um, I do have a great passion for this. I took a one-year um, hiatus from kid crimes, and I went over and worked in our, our robbery and homicide unit for a year before I got my uh, current position. And my current position is on the Northern Texas Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. And that's where I've been for about 13 years, 13 and a half years. All right. Well, um, how long have you been doing undercover proactive investigations involving catching people who prey on children, Tony? Out of the uh, 13 years or so that I've been uh, working for ICAC, I've probably spent about 11. What's ICAC? ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children. So anything that involves children, uh, cell phones, gaming systems, the World Wide Web, computers. Social media. Social media. Social media. All falls under our purview. And because we're part of the Northern Texas ICAC Task Force, we work collaboratively with other agencies like yours yeah, and like mine. And we work with both state and federal and locals. And uh, we do our best to get everybody we can get our hands on that's preying on kids. Yes. And, and what about you? There's a few. Um, I guess the biggest thing to start with is I didn't join the military, which, which I have a great respect for. So, you know, that's not... That's not something I I thought of at the time because I went to college. Um, but I guess the biggest um, interesting thing for me is that most people know already, but I was a singer and I trained in classical music. Uh, so I have my degrees in music. Uh, I started in that. And then when I got married, 
we did some traveling um, just for the first year of marriage and very quickly realized that I didn't want to be on the road all the time. And um, that was what a life as a musician would, would call, would call for. So I went back and joined the police department that I'm with currently. And I have been there for 15 years this year. Wow. And uh, so I did all the fun patrol things. Uh, I worked the midnight shift. I worked the evening shift. I worked the day shift. And we did all of the the same kind of fun that you would uh, think that a police officer would do in a major metropolitan area like the northern Texas area is. And uh, after about seven years, I went into the school resource position um, where I got to kind of see what our kids in schools involved with as far as as being online Um, and that was eye-opening to say the least and then I have been in the investigative world since 2014 Uh, and in 2014 I joined the child crimes unit or the crimes against children unit and for the first two years or so I investigated all of the cases that dealt with hands-on physical abuse sexual abuse of children um, child death child homicide all of those horrible things that happen to kids. Uh, and then after a couple of years, um, in 2016, I went in to the internet crimes against children and where I've been for the last five years now doing these right. kind of things. And as uh, many will find out, Tony and I have worked together in internet crimes since day one of my coming into internet crimes. Day one, day, day one. one. And why is that Brandon poor? How is it that you got into the ICAC arena? Um, we actually said, Hey, we need to start working these crimes because, um, we need that done at our agency. And, uh, everyone knew Tony Godwin is famous internet crime guru. So we went to Tony and said, Hey, help us, help us start this, help us develop a program where we can investigate these crimes. And Tony much to his credit, um, as many people will testify, said, absolutely, I'll do ex- anything I can to help you. Well, Brandon suffered for a few weeks. He was given the opportunity to come in uh, shadow, I guess. And, I, and I, I guess out of full disclosure, I want to make sure people understand what my motivation was for coming into ICAC. And full disclosure, honest truth, the, the gentleman that I took over for, um, who's now long since retired, great, great man that I have a lot of respect for, who I originally cut my teeth uh, wanting to learn and emulate everything that he did. I saw him one day at the police station at a copy, at a copy machine, and he was there. He had kind of a half beard grown out or goatee. He was in shorts, flip-flops, and a Bermuda shirt. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. I'd known him for decades. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, it's so good to see you. I was like, is this how you get to come to work? And he was like, yeah, this is how I get to come to work. And I thought, I want a job where I can wear flip-flops and wear shorts if I want and uh, a Bermuda shirt and grow a beard. And so he's like, well, be careful what you ask for. And so... I then began a little bit of a mentorship, and then, uh, full disclosure, truth be told, when um, I was approached by Brandon's department to help them out, I think I said those very same words to him. Be careful what you ask for. is the mantra that I was told from day one, uh, and I still am not careful what I ask for. I always <laughs> ask for more than I should and, and then wonder why I did it. 
I have played a role with a couple other agencies in North Texas um, in training their personnel to get up to speed um, to do ICAC related um, cases. And while there's certainly there is uh, a lot of formal uh, training and education you have to have before you can launch and, and begin this, it's not just a simple jump behind the keyboards and do what you think you can do because we have a lot of rules that we follow and as we should, and we need to hold each other accountable. So it does take some effort and time. There's probably a 12 to 18 month window where you're receiving all these different trainings. Uh, We're very stringent to the standards that we are held to the ICAC standards. We are ginormous proponents of that. And um, for us, we're in a position now where we've had some, pretty serious success, uh, some very interesting cases, which is what morphed this thought process of having a podcast after we both became big fans of podcasts. And so now we want to pass that along. We've both uh, have been teaching on the national and international level for a number of years. And um, we've spent a lot of time with a lot of different agencies around the country um, and abroad trying to teach others how to do the job we do. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why would I sit and listen to a podcast uh, that talks about horrible things that people do to try and abuse children? Why would that be interesting to me? Um, Well, I'll tell you why. Because you are going to hear how law enforcement and the people involved in the protection of children are going undercover, are going online, and trying to catch the worst of the worst people, the people who are preying on children. And from what I've seen in the public, from what we see in reactions to people that we talk to and teach to, is that people hate this crime more than anything else, I think. hands down, hands down. This is one of those crimes, um, and this is one of those areas of police work that people are always just appalled that it happens, They're always grossed out that someone would think to do something like this to a kid. And they're always intrigued. They always want to know why, how do you get to do that? What do you do? How do you do what you do? And more so they're really intrigued with, I bet you guys have some of the best stories, the most fun things to tell about. Absolutely. Other than uh, that's probably the second most question, um, that's posed to me by people, even coworkers who I've known for many years. Uh, the first is typically a conversation like, and I'm sure you've had it in your agency, is like, I couldn't do the job that you do. Yes. We are the ones that when we have lunch with other cops, they go, hey, I don't want to hear that story. I, <laughs> I couldn't do what you do, and I don't want to hear about what you do. Right. Which you know makes for a great lunch. I guess in context, Brandon, we should probably explain like – the name of our podcast catfish cops catfish cops what is catfishing well for the older generation in our age bracket or my age bracket uh, since you're slightly younger than i am then uh, i would think the good portion of those people don't know the term catfishing you think no i don't think i think anyone under say 30 i think so yeah knows catfishing because it's been around for a little while what is catfishing now it's not The real fish. It's It's not not the real fish. It is not the real fish. It's fishing with a pH. Fishing. It's a, what is catfishing? So let's talk about catfishing. Um, And and we came up with this because, you know, people have become so aware of catfishing. Uh, When you talk about 
catfishing, it's it's sort of in the popular uh, nomenclature because it's on TV. It's in it's online all over the place. It so is. What does Wikipedia tell us about catfishing? Wikipedia essentially describes this as a deceptive activity where a person creates a sock puppet. I've never heard of a sock puppet in this context. What is that? I hadn't either and had to look it up a little bit, but it's basically described as an online identity used to deceive somebody. Are we, Usually. Are we catfishing? I think we are. Yes, we oh, are. We are catfishing. That's the definition of it. We're catfishing. We are catfishing. And usually it's tied to some sort of social media or social networking service. Um, actually, the word catfish was actually added to Webster's Dictionary in 2014. And because it became a, I guess, a phenomenon. Because um, there's a TV show. There is a TV show. Uh, the gentleman who, I had to do a little research. I hadn't heard his name before. Nev Shulman. Nev Shulman. He certainly was not anybody famous at the time. He was actually catfished. Um and though he is very widely known around the world now, he's very popular. He's on television. Um, but he actually was credited for that term. So in case you're still saying like, okay, you've said the word catfishing. You've read some dictionary definition that I didn't really pay attention to because I'm probably driving right now listening to this. More than likely. Or I've zoned out because of you guys incessantly <laughs> zon- droning on. Uh, so basically, what is it? It's okay. I'm, I'm pretending to be someone I'm not. Yes. Oftentimes I'm pretending to be someone to then defraud you or get something out of it. What I'm trying to get if I'm catfishing someone. Well, I think the context between what people who are catfishing have a goal, they want to obtain something uh, versus what our goal is. And our goal is to simply prevent that person who's got a predatory behavior from actually finding a real kid. Yep. So unlike catfishing in the popular way uh, or the, well, the, the well-known way because mainstream. of the TV show mainstream is the word. Uh, so where they're maybe pretending to be an attractive female who's talking to a male or an attractive male talking to a female and they're making them think they are that person. Um, and they're maybe trying to, lead them on into a relationship that then is disappointing at some point when they find out that that person is not who they say they are. We're not doing that. We're not. We're not. Because a lot of times um, those people catfishing for ulterior motives, it usually leads to some sort of abuse or fraud. It's typically tied up into some sort of a romance scam or a dating situation. And, and maybe even for money. Yeah, maybe for money. That's a, a big component of that. Uh, maybe to compromise someone's integrity or their character or something like that. Um, all of those things get highlighted, but in the arena that we operate in, um, it's exclusive to predatory behavior from individuals who have that propensity towards children. So if a predator is looking to meet a child, what are they, what are they generally looking for when they talk to kids? Well, that's uh, that's kind of a loaded question because ultimately it's the end game, which is what they seek, which is nothing but pure sexual gratification. Yeah, they often are asking for nude images, right? Almost always, almost and always. Is that for sexual gratification of their uh, of themselves, or is that for some other purpose? Well, it could be both. It could be both. Initially, I think it's for the gratification of that offender or that person with that propensity towards kids. But ultimately, it could certainly lead to something 
even more sinister, which would be the distribution of that very explicit materials, what we call CSAM in the industry, if you'll tell them what that means. Child sexual abuse material, CSAM, or child abuse material. We, we purposely use those words so as to paint the picture of what this is really. Um, in, in, in reality, it is the horrible sexual abuse of a child, those images of of children are. Um, so besides sexual gratification, what do people generally do with those photos? Well, I know a new, or it's not new now, but it's newer with the internet and the social media as it is, is I think we see a lot of using it against the kid. Yeah. Yeah. The term for that is. Are you talking about a blackmail? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So a sexual blackmailing, um, Mm -hmm where they get kids photos, nude images, and then they use them against them. I'm going to release these images to name, you know, whoever it is, or I'm going to send these to your parents. If you don't do X, Y, Z, right? Right. The term for that, if you were to have a teenage child that's uh, actively online is, um, it's a smash page. It's a, it's a smash. It's what they're doing. Uh, or they're going to be put on blast. Maybe a term you're not very familiar with, but something that uh, the youth of today are unfortunately very, very familiar with. It's a coercion. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a manipulation and a coercion to get ultimately what they want. Now, the fine goal of what they ultimately want, if they are truly uh, displaying predatory behavior, asking for those kinds of visual depictions that will do nothing but victimize a child, um, is ultimately to meet them in real life. And so what happens when we catfish those predators? Do we then provide a child? Negative. That we are going to pretend to be? We do not. Right. We, we are, are the child. Bad. We are the kid. We are the kid. And I will tell you, hands down, I am the sexiest 12-year-old girl on the internet. I was about to say, we are the ugliest children <laughs> that any predator will want to meet. <laughs> We take That's great probably pride in that. true. Yes. Great pride. No, yes, we uh, we pretend to be kids um, so that when this person who is looking to then meet a child for sexual purposes uh, runs into us on the other end. Absolutely. That's uh, the best case scenario we can um, hope for. I guess uh, to give a little context, why don't we just talk briefly about the length of time it may take in order to... Get from point A to point B. Point A being, I've met this person on some social media platform or third-party application, which is the most common way that that takes place, and all the way to Z, which is they've shown up in real life for what they believe to be a uh, sexual meeting, sexual counter to perform sexual acts on what they believe to be a child. A child. Now, when we say child, we don't just mean five, six, seven-year-olds, we mean anyone under the age of 18. 18. That's what the guideline for child is, under 18. So when they meet, uh, when we meet someone online, how long generally are you talking to someone that you've met online? It can literally run the gamut. I will tell you in uh, the 13 years that I've been doing this, I my quickest from start to finish, from the moment we began talking to the moment he was in handcuffs, was about 50 minutes 50. I've never gone for a quick meet like that. And, and that's not to say I 
shouldn't. Um, I think it's just it was a first. It was a first for me. Um, typically, I will I will not even get to a point of agreeing to a meet posing as a child um, unless I have a couple of weeks, yeah. two three weeks. I think the minimum. shortest was a week for me. And yeah. what's the longest? How long was your, the longest communication with a sexual predator believing you were a child? Uh, for me, it was uh, almost 13 months. Yeah, mine was nine or 10 months, I think, was about that. I had a birthday it, it, in the, throughout the course of that particular investigation. Um, so as this podcast goes on, you're going to hear us talk about these investigations. This is what we hope with this podcast comes about, is that you, as our listener get to hear uh, the interesting details behind them, the amazingly interesting stories that are in and of themselves, just the whole background of the investigation. Um, and then you're probably going to hear some of the little jokes that we make about <laughs> how these things happen. So I often tease Tony about his long-term communications and the fact that he's just now dating people. <laughs> right. Um, and we do, our, our poor families have to put up with us having these internet boyfriends for long periods of time. Yes, that's uh, that is definitely one of the downsides. The one of the biggest downsides, I think, of the job itself is that uh, because there are so many components. I know right now we're just specifically talking about chatting and being online, posing as a child uh, to you know prevent a predatory type person from getting their hands on a real kid. But there are some other components of our job that we deal with on a daily basis. Why don't you talk about a couple of those? Um. Trying to talk about internet safety. That's one of them, for um, sure. Really, really education. Um, we also deal with uh, networks that people use to trade in child sexual abuse material. Yes, very much so. And uh, that's a, an entirely different paradigm to discuss, but we have full intention of doing so because some of our targets were people that were generated from tips like that. One of our more common things that are, are taking place today versus, for me, 13 years ago when I started, are things called cyber tips. So what are cyber tips, Brandon? Well, we work um, cyber tips that come from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You're going to hear that organization referenced. We, we cannot speak highly enough of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which we then shortened because of that long title to call it NECMEC. NECMEC, the National Center. Uh, so the National Center receives reports from electronic service providers. Um, your big name social media providers are some of them. And they send in reports when they find someone trying to exploit a child online or trading in child exploitation material. Um, and they report it to NECMEC and NECMEC sends it out to police agencies for investigation and follow-up. And so we get a lot of those. What else do we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? The, the biggest thing that besides the topic of internet crimes and catfishing, I think we deal with computers and phones. Yes. Yep. That's the biggest thing, right? It's certainly, it's certainly in the upper echelon of what we're dealing with. Yeah, um, we, we see phones and computers all day in our jobs because these predators are going online to talk to these kids yep. or talk to us. And so we have to know what is on a phone, how a phone works. We have to know what's on computers. We have to know the sites that they're going to, the platforms they're talking on. 
Uh, and our hope in this is to educate you on some of those sites, um, hopefully to give you our best suggestions on protecting your children on those sites or protecting any child on those sites. And ultimately, when we mention a site or if we talk about any platform in particular, we're not talking about them in a negative way. We're not trying to say that their platform is any worse than any other or that they're any sort of um, environment for danger for children because in truth, anywhere children are, predators are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's been the, that's been the case even before the internet, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in the concept of thinking about it, you know, from my perspective, you know, almost a 53 year old guy here and, uh, predatory behavior has been going on for a very, very long time, long before computers were around, but long before internet was around. And it was just where they would go or what they would do to facilitate that predatory behavior, parks, swimming pools, wherever they could, where kids would go, predators go. And because now that kids are so ingrained with the internet, with computers, with phones, most children in today's households, you know, based on our experience of talking and doing presentations, they can run circles around their parents um, in regards to where to go, what to do. Um, And so we hope that as we proceed through and we're going to give you these real life, very true um, accounts of what we've handled as far as cases go, we do want to raise your awareness. We do want to make you aware that this type of behavior is going on and where it's going on and how we can combat it collectively as law enforcement, but additionally what you as parents can do to safeguard your kids. Now take a breath because I know that's scary. Most parents we talk to say, I had no idea this was going on. Or or I think even the general citizen says, I didn't know this was really this (laughs) prolific. Yeah. I think the big, the big takeaway today, we, we hear this trafficking term. What, you know, trafficking is all-encompassing with child exploitation, right? Well, a lot of people think that that is the case. There are many, many, many aspects of trafficking that actually exist from labor trafficking. We don't commonly in the United States, um, that's not our first thought when we think of trafficking, though it does happen. People that are brought over from countries um, where they are then forced to do jobs or labor, Um, in exchange for getting their family over here or getting them over here, but whatnot. But the context that we think about it most often in the United States is human trafficking. Sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Yes. So exploitation is sort of a a part of that, or it's, it's, it could be, uh, it could be taken into account with that. They often work hand in hand for sure. Okay. But they're not necessarily the same. No, they're definitely not necessarily the same. So why don't we say, now you're going to hear us say a lot of terms. We're going to probably throw out terms that you never thought of or heard of. Why don't we call it child pornography? Well, it's a very uh, unwelcoming stigma. It, it sort of puts the context on it that um, while it is illegal, the term itself it's in our law books as that, but as we as we understand more what it does, those visual depictions that um, 
show the graphic sexual abuse of a child or the sexual exploitation of a child and the damaging effects it has on the actual child itself who's not been pulled into uh, aftercare or working with a multidisciplinary team to go through therapy and counseling. It it doesn't do us many favors um, in court purposes. So we, we're going to refer to it as CSAM. CSAM or child exploitation material. Yes. So if you hear those terms, that is what we're talking about. We're talking about nude images, uh, sexual graphic um, or sexually oriented nude images of a child. I think that's that's what we'll call it. It is. And to some, just the just the thought process of hearing that or, um, you know, putting your mind around the fact that information like that will um, th- that it does exist is that uh, it's sickening. It is literally sickening for some people to even hear it because we automatically, if we're parents, we flash to our own kids and we can't think of anything worse that could happen to a child. Um, and I will tell you the, the downside of this job is the fact that there are things that we could never unsee, right? Yeah, absolutely. Things that are tattooed on our brain stems that, uh, you know, we're never, ever going to be able to unsee things that we will take to the grave with us. But I will also say that there is a satisfaction with this job that comes with it because when you do get your hands on that predatory person, knowing full well that their intention was to come and sexually abuse or molest or exploit a child and there's varying aspects of it. One, obviously, when we get to a final disposition, we go through court proceedings. And if that person is then convicted in court and sentenced to prison, there is a big satisfaction with that. For me personally, the the bigger satisfaction is being in a room with the guy, being in the interview with the guy and having that guy confess to me what his true intentions were. When this is a secret that very likely has been hidden or buried in his the depths of his soul for sometimes 10, 20, 30 years at length. Some pe- a person that his family does not even know exists. Yeah, do most of the predators that we catch, like their families know they're involved in this? Uh, almost never. Almost never. As you can imagine, I mean, think about uh, Christmas dinner and everybody, your whole family's around the table. This is not a topic of discussion. <laughs> this is this is a secret. And so we hope to share some of our stories of talking with some of these individuals that have been caught um, because we, we do take great pride in trying to pull out into the open some of the secrets that they've held for years and years um, and to try and get them to admit to maybe something that is the worst thing they were about to do to a child, yeah. um, even more so. So some people say, well, well, that's great. You're protecting kids, but you're just catching people that are talking to you. So why should we be upset about some person not talking to a real kid, but talking to Tony? Why, why should we care that they were just talking to you, believing it was a child? Well, I think the, the theory behind that thought process is flawed because we do work cases involving real kids. And we know what real kids are doing. Um, 
in our arena, we work specifically two types of cases. We work reactive cases and we work proactive cases. What we've been discussing up to this point about posing undercover and as the hottest 12-year-old on the internet and blah, 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 that is a proactive case. We are proactively pursuing subjects who have this predatory behavior towards kids. However, a good portion of our time, more so now this in this era or generation than when I first came in here, are reactive cases. And tell them what reactive cases are. Well, reactive cases, we mentioned the cyber tips that we get. Um, those are reactive because someone's sending us a report of a predator preying on a child. Um, we also get reports from parents. So a parent has decided, we're going to look at my child. My child's been acting weird or they're, they look like they're hiding something. So we're going to um, try and we're going to try and check out their phone and see what's going to go, what's going on that's causing them to act this way. So the parent brings their child's phone to us in a panic and says, Oh my gosh, my child has been talking to this person that I believe is over 18 and they are trading images to this person. And this person may be exploiting them or they're coercing them or they're blackmailing them or, Oh my gosh, they've been talking about meeting up and I'm afraid they have met up. Um, so what do we do? Do we just go out and arrest that person? No, we have to conduct an investigation. And those are a lot of our reactive cases. So we see real time what have children been doing online. And we use that to sort of base the way we approach how we do our jobs. Because if real kids are doing something, then I'm going to do the same thing to try and induce the same result. Now, when we get that argument of, well, they're just talking to you we have to sort of counter that with, no, they're talking to real kids. Absolutely. We just happen to be the one they met. Thank God they yep. happen to have met us. But oftentimes when we then follow up and start digging into the case a bit, looking at the devices that the predator has been talking on, they're talking to real kids. Oh, absolutely. I will, uh, I can attest to that, uh, myself. I have done, a few cases, and uh, they're very, very rare, but we call those takeover accounts, takeover cases. And it's something we'll explain later. I can think of uh, two off the top of my head. I, I want people that are listening to understand that this isn't just a local issue. Like I specifically will will mention um, as we continue through with the additional episodes, um, like I had a guy travel from New York, New York City, that flew down here to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, took a cab to a hotel, rented a hotel, took another cab to a school to pick up what was a real child, a real child, a 13-year-old real female child. And luckily, I was able to intervene on the day that child was to be picked up at the school in a taxi cab by this predator that came from New York. And then secondarily, I had a guy that came from Miami, Florida, and the same set of circumstances. Sadly, for that case, he had already come to this location once previous where a child was actually victimized. And then he was returning for a second trip when the parent of that child figured it out, got in touch with me, and I became that child. I did a takeover of that account, and we were able to get him on that second offense. And that's at a point where you feel like you failed because you didn't get them before the first offense. 
that guy was a contact offender. And so I know for a fact that these guys are talking to real kids. And that's our hope. Rescuing real kids from these predators that seek to prey on them sexually. That's our first and foremost goal is to rescue children, to prevent their abuse, to prevent their sexual exploitation. Um, and then our second goal is to take these offenders off the streets, um, hopefully as long as possible, because yeah. we don't want them to prey on other kids. Uh, and then lastly is to just educate. I think yeah. we spend a majority of our time educating people about the fact that this happens a lot. It happens far more frequently than you want to believe. It happens in your backyard. It happens nationally. It yeah. happens everywhere. Uh, and here are the ways that you can help to prevent it. Or those are the things that we're going to talk to, hopefully, um, in upcoming episodes is is to address some of those things that parents may have concerns about. Uh, maybe we can educate you on what platforms are most popular for kids and how to protect your children on that. Uh, maybe we can even help to introduce you to ways to look at technology. So mm-hmm. we talked briefly about it, computers and phones. Um, there's a whole area of investigative um I guess law enforcement investigations now called digital forensics. Yep. And we do those as well because all of what we deal with happens online and on computers or cell phones. And so we have to know how to address those issues investigatively. And it's a, like we wear multiple hats. uh, Oftentimes I know for me, um, you know, I was not the computer guy when I came into this job. I could do a little online banking. I could send and receive some emails, uh, but that was literally the extent of that. And then over the course of time, you were really good at solitaire. I was excellent at solitaire. I was hands down, like one of the best in the country. And um, I spent a lot of time on that, but it has morphed from that into doing full-time forensics or almost full-time. I mean, it's about a 50% of our job half the time. Um, and so it's, uh, while it's not native to me, I was not the computer guy. It is something that I have learned. And so you too can learn. And um, uh, like Brandon said about educating you and making you aware and things of that nature, we also want to give you helpful advice on things to do Unfortunately, if you feel like you or your child has become a victim of this, um, and there are certain things that we would advocate that you do, but there's also things we would advocate that you don't do that ultimately causes us concern or problems as we take over whatever that investigation is. So, Well, that, I think, is wrapping up our first episode. I hope that we have now given you a brief glimpse into the world that you never wanted to know existed. I hope that uh, you've found some of this entertaining and or intriguing. And as we get into individual cases, uh, just know that we don't do it because we want to make light of the situation, but sometimes the best remedy to bad situations is laughter. And we have seen so much terrible that we just have to now laugh at some of the stuff that's involved in it that keeps yeah. our sanity in place. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost mandatory for us at this point in time in our careers. But um, we will say you will not find uh, two more passionate people about this topic, about saving children. 
Uh, we know we have the best career on the planet. We have the most rewarding career on the planet. Um, and what we hope is that you will enjoy the ride and that you'll take the time to take the ride with us. We just wanted to make this first introductory episode, um, the context of why we feel like we can uh, offer these stories to you and you can feel confident that we do know what we're talking about. And so I appreciate you for listening to us. This actually went slightly longer than I thought it would actually go for the first episode, but I hope you will stick it out with us. Our goal in this is to launch once a week. Um, We don't know what day of the week yet, but we are very hopeful in the next two weeks um, to really be blasting off with, uh, with some good stories. And you'll enjoy, I promise, the first cases that we bring to you because all cases are interesting, but but the first are going to be doozies. Absolutely. So we want to thank you. And um, we look forward to talking to you. Absolutely. Have a good one. 